You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This week's storyteller is Heather Swain. The story was recorded in February 2012 at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The theme of the event was brains. On the fourth day that I was in the hospital, Dr. Morano blustered into my room and he pointed at me and he said, nobody knows what's wrong with you, but I'm going to figure it out. And for the first time in about eight months, I felt hopeful that maybe I'd found someone who could tell me what had gone wrong in my body. So Dr. Morano sat down beside me and he said, now tell me what's been going on. I had gotten sick back in the spring. At first I thought I just had the flu because I had a high fever and this sickening chill that left my whole body aching, especially my elbows and knees and the little joints in my fingers and toes and I was extraordinarily tired. But after about 10 days with these symptoms and no others, I drug myself to the doctor, and he told me that I had the Epstein-Barr virus, which you might remember from your middle school days as mono. And he said, there's nothing I can do, you should just go home and rest, which I did with gusto. For the next three months, I slept 10 to 12 hours a night, and I took two or three naps during the day. Um, I, I, uh, I would wake for these brief periods of lucidity where I would scramble to get as much work done as I could in about two hours or play with my kids whose lives seemed like a blur. But mostly I just lay in bed aching and uncomfortable and having this delusional thought cycle. I did a lot of counting at this time. I would count up from one to 100 by ones and down by twos and up by threes and down by fours. And I'm not particularly math-minded, so this struck me as odd. But then one day in June, mid-June, I woke up and I was fine. In fact, on Saturday, I could barely walk around the block, but on Sunday, I was better. And within a week, I was back to doing yoga or running three, day, or three miles a day or doing anything I would normally do. And I thought, well, that was weird. At 40, I got mono, I got over it, and I'm better until October when a few days after I got the flu vaccine, it all came rushing back. The joint pain and the fatigue and that addled delusional thinking, only this time I had a new symptom. I was suddenly uh, having an allergic anaphylactic reaction to everything and anything. At the most random times, I would get um, dizzy and lightheaded and a strange tingling in my mouth and my throat and my chest, and my fingers would feel fat and clumsy and then my throat would start to constrict. 
And my husband, who's pretty unflappable, he, he's a drummer, he would just sort of put me in the car and drive me to the ER, and I would stumble in, sounding like the love child of Darth Vader and Marge Simpson, clutching my throat saying, anaphylaxic, anaphylaxic. At which point they would rush me through triage and start poking me with epipenephrine and Benadryl and steroids to stop my throat from swelling closed. Now, after I'd shown up in the ER a couple times like this, the nurses, who were beginning to recognize me, were speaking to me in a very particular way. They would say, are we feeling panicked, Miss Swain? And I'd think, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Throat swollen closed here, a little scary. But what I realized was they were not trying to comfort me in the face of something potentially grave. They just thought I was crazy. And why wouldn't they? For over six months, I had had an off-again, on-again illness that nobody could explain. By this time, I had started seeing an infectious disease specialist, and she assured me I didn't have mono, nor had I had it back in the spring. I didn't have Lyme disease. My vitamin and mineral levels were good. My cortisol level was fine. I wasn't sensitive to gluten. So I was beginning to think maybe the nurses had a point. So I did what any right-minded, crazy person would do, and I found a, a therapist who specialized in anxiety disorders. Only when I explained to her what was going on, she said, well, that doesn't sound like a panic attack. And my husband and my parents, who had come to help take care of my family while I was sick, they had to agree. They said, well, you never actually panic until after your throat swells. <laughs> so after I'd showed up in the ER five or six times, the young resident kind of shook his head and he said, well, we have to admit you. And this time you have to stay until we know what's wrong with you. And then they hooked me up to an intravenous strip of prednisone, which is a very powerful steroid to control the swelling in my body, and they got me a room. So after I described this all to Dr. Morano, he stood up and he kind of started pacing around and firing kind of random questions at me. He said, how old were you? Or how old are you? Where were you born? Ever been to the Caribbean? When's the last time you swam in a river? And then he kind of <laughs> and then he kind of paced around like he uh, and st started spouting um, potential diagnoses like someone with medical Tourette's. He was like, mm, Legionnaire's disease, dang fever, King George's syndrome, scardoiosis. And then he sort of shake his head and oh no no because my set of symptoms didn't match any of those uh, diseases exactly. And then he started firing questions at me again until he got to, ever been bitten by a dog? And I said, well, no, but I did have a full course of rabies shots about a year ago. What? Why didn't you tell anybody this? He said, I said, I don't know, didn't seem relevant. And he said, well, why'd you have rabies shots? And I explained. My, my husband's family has this old lake cottage in Indiana, and every summer we get bats in the bedroom. And I just catch them with a fishing net and let them go, only there was one bat that didn't fly away. <laughs> so um, Dr. Romano kind of cocked his head to the side, and he said, rabies, like he was pondering a conundrum. And he kind of cocked his head to the other side and said, rabies, like he could get used to the idea. I said, hey, wait a minute. I can't have rabies. That was like a year ago. If I had rabies, I'd be dead. And he goes, yeah, you'd be dead. And then he kind of snorted like, well, I'll be damned. And he goes, rabies. Well, I'm going to have to run some more tests. And then he turned and he loped out of the room muttering rabies the whole way. Now, if I hadn't had a panic attack up until then, 
I was about to have one, a real one, a full-blown mind fuck of a panic attack for the next 15 hours. My palms sweat, my heart raced, my mind was in a blur because I became absolutely convinced that I was the only person in the history of the universe to have a case of delayed rabies. <laughs> Obviously, I had not gotten those shots soon enough, which had been an issue at the time. It turns out it's really hard to get the rabies vaccine. Between my husband and me, we had to go to three states, seven hospitals, and write a personal letter to the Department of Health and Human Services to even get the shots. So obviously, mine had only worked well enough to tamp down the rabies until I caught whatever I caught back in March, and then it stirred it up again, only I fought it off, only now it was back, and I was going to die. Because when the rabies virus gets into your brain, you're a goner. There's nothing anybody can do. I thought of my two beautiful young children and how they'd have to come to my bedside in the hospital and say goodbye before the doctors induced a coma to save me the agony of becoming rabid. Oh, how horrible, I thought. I, I don't want my children to grow up saying their mother died of rabies like I was a raccoon. But it all made perfect sense especially when I started reading about rabies on my iPhone. Because we all know it's a great idea to seek medical information via the internet. And there it all was. The fatigue, the joint pain, that terrible delusional thinking, all that counting. This terrible taste in my mouth, my sudden horrible thirst, my throat swelling. Oh, I could see my future clearly. Soon I would rise up from my bed and I would stumble stiff-legged into the hall, and the nurse would dash into rooms, slamming doors to save the infirm. And then that kid from Old Yeller would come around the corner in his cowboy hats and boots with his long rifle by his side, and I'd stumble down the hall, snapping and snarling with foam dripping from my jaws, and he'd raise his rifle and shoot one bullet straight into my forehead. Well, I didn't sleep that night. I panicked on and off until morning. And when the nurse came in to check my vitals, she kind of reared back and said, your blood pressure's up, your heart rate's too high, and you have a fever. And I blurted out how Dr. Morano had all but assured me that I was dying of rabies. To which she said, no, no, Heather, you can't be dying of rabies. That's medically impossible. And it was irresponsible of Dr. Morano to ever suggest you could be. Just sit tight and hold on. We're going to figure this out at which point I thanked her, and then I pulled the privacy curtain around my bed, and I climbed into the teeny little clothes closet beside me, and I curled into a fetal position, and I sobbed for 15 minutes with relief. Now, I found out later that high doses of prednisone, that steroid I'd been on since I'd been admitted to the hospital four days earlier, causes personality changes, anxiety, and severe mood swings in some people. So that explains that whole thinking I had rabies thing. Because <laughs> obviously I didn't die of rabies. Nor did I ever see Dr. Morano again. Because he, like every other specialist who walked into my room that week, had no idea what was wrong with me. The best they could do is tell me what wasn't wrong with me. I didn't have lupus. I didn't have Lyme disease. I didn't have MS or Addison's disease or King George's syndrome or even rabies. And I wasn't allergic to anything. But by the end of the week, I'd had it, and I begged to go home. So they did discharge me. And like before, eventually, my symptoms just disappeared. They came back one more time this past spring, which was about a year after I first got sick. But this time, it all lasted only about 10 days, and then it just vanished overnight. 
Now, when I tell people this story, they want there to be a great ending. They want to hear that I found my own do per personal Dr. House, who using his you know, incredible scientific knowledge and uncanny knack for boiling tough cases down to one simple, esoteric, yet totally curable problem, solves the medical mystery. Because we like to believe there are answers to our medical issues, even if the answer is you've contracted a horrible, fatal disease for which there is no cure yet, with yet being the operative word. But in my case, they never figured out what was wrong with me, why I got sick, why I got better, or if I'll get sick again. And for a long time, that bothered me more than the fact that I was so ill for over a year. But these days, I don't mind so much not knowing what caused my misery. It doesn't mean there isn't an answer. It just means that nobody found it. And all I can do is hope that nobody has a chance to again. Thank you. That was Heather Swain. Heather is the author of five novels, two craft books, and numerous short stories, personal essays, and nonfiction articles. Her new young adult novel, Josie Griffin is Not a Vampire, and her latest craft book, Play These Games, 101 Delightful Diversions Made from Everyday Items, are both available now. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have our magazine, archives of the podcast, and upcoming events. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Aaron Barker. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, and Raffaella Benin. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Union Hall for hosting the show, and to Rabies for not infecting me. Thanks for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price, and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.